Welcome to the Providence Community Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Kelly Lada. If you would like to stay connected with us, download our app, Providence Community, or visit our website, providencecommunity.org. That was a lovely welcome. Good morning. It is an honor to be here with you, um, to open the Word with you. I do love the Word of God. It is one of my very favorite things. It has come so alive to me, and I want it to be alive to you. Um, As I was praying over what I was going to share with you this morning, there's been one particular scripture that God has been highlighting to me over the last month, and that is Isaiah 54, 16 through 17. Um, I don't know if you want to take a minute to turn there. This is one of those scriptures I think we're familiar with. We've probably heard before. um, And one of those promises we love to hold on to. And I want us to just examine this morning how we can step into that promise together. So Isaiah 54 verse 16 through 17 says this, No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed. And you shall refute every tongue that rises against you in judgment. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord, and their vindication from me, declares the Lord. It's a wonderful promise, isn't it? Promise of victory, the heritage of those of us who belong to him. And so I want to just break it down a little bit with you and notice the truth that's found right in the beginning of that verse. No weapon that is fashioned against you shall succeed, But in that scripture, we also see the truth that God allows the enemy to form weapons. (laughs) Sometimes we often act like that verse states that no weapon can be fashioned against us. And so we have this underlying expectation that our position in Christ means that nothing bad is going to happen. We shouldn't be disappointed and things are just going to fall into place. And then life happens. And we fall apart when reality just slices through that expectation. So I want us to see that God does allow the enemy to form weapons. God does not promise to keep the enemy from coming. He promises victory when he comes. That is the promise. That's what we need to learn how to step into together this morning. Weapons can be formed. They will be fashioned against us. They're not supposed to succeed. This is the heritage of the servants of the Lord. We are living in a day when we've been facing an onslaught of weapons. This pandemic is a weapon of the enemy. Fear is one of his weapons. Opposition, division, disillusionment, disappointment, all weapons of the enemy designed to take us out and increase the darkness on this earth. And many of us are just sitting back going, where is the Lord? (laughs) He's within us. And his promise to us is that these weapons are not supposed to succeed. That's the promise of Isaiah 54, 16. Even when the enemy fashions the weapons against us, our union with Jesus will not allow it to prevail. And so you and I need to learn how to step into the graces of that truth. Grace is the power of God released in our lives. And so many of us, we know the promises of God, but we're not living the promises of God. We're not living out the truth of that reality. And so we live in this perpetual disappointment and inside doubting, where are you, Lord? So we need to bring those things together. How do we access the power behind the promise? And that's what I want to talk to you about this morning. So Jesus' life shows us how. If you want to turn with me to Matthew chapter 2, familiar passages to many of us. 
The first two chapters of Matthew recount Jesus' birth and his early childhood. So if you know anything about the story, you'll notice that it isn't a string of joyous, wonderful events unfolding to lead him into ministry. Instead, we see weapons forming against him at every turn to literally snuff out his life, to take him out before he could ever get to the point of being that savior that Jesus ordained him to be. So let's read together Matthew chapter 2. We're going to start reading in verse 13. And this, this takes place just after the wise men have come. They've heard about the prophecies of Jesus. They have traveled to come find this child that was to be born in Bethlehem. They had spoken to the king at the time, Herod, about it, found the child, and then left on their way home. So this is where we're picking up the story in verse 13. It says, Now when they had departed... Behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream and said, Rise, take the child and his mother and flee to Egypt and remain there until I tell you. For Herod is about to search for the child to destroy him. And he rose and took the child and his mother by night and departed to Egypt and remained there until the death of Herod. This was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken by the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son." Now, we see God intervening in earthly circumstances here. He gives very specific instructions, leads them on this path. But when I was studying this, what just was jumping out at me was this phrase, this was to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. And we'll see that phrase popping up throughout the text. This is to fulfill what the Lord had spoken. Very specific details about Jesus' life. This detail out of Egypt I called my son. So God foretold through his prophets that Jesus would have to go to Egypt. Somehow Egypt was going to be a significant part of his story. And God spoke that in advance. But it wasn't until the time came to fulfill that prophecy that we learned why. God saw in advance that the enemy would set Herod's heart against Jesus that the enemy would literally fashion Herod into a weapon against him using fear and jealousy. And so God prophetically spoke over Jesus' life the means to defeat that weapon. He would have to go to Egypt. God foresaw the weapon, those, but those living in the appointed time for that prophecy had to discern and trust what God was currently speaking to align with it. So God sees what's going to happen. He speaks, and speaks it in advance, speaks this prophetic plan over Jesus' life. And then as Jesus is on the earth and the time comes to live these things out, he speaks, now is the time for this. Now is the time for this. Now is the time for this. And those that are living there have to be hearing and discerning from heaven what God is speaking to come in line with the prophecy. And that is how Jesus evaded those weapons. The angel of the Lord spoke to Joseph and his family to send them to Egypt. If Joseph hadn't heard from God, hadn't trusted God's instructions and received that now word, it's time to go, the enemy's weapon may have succeeded. But it took those living in the appointed time to discern what God was speaking in that day and come into alignment with what God had spoken for it to come to pass. And that was his 
security. God moves through man's agreement with him. Human hearts aligning with heaven's voice. He speaks to us through his word, and then he leads us by his spirit into his timing, into his plans, into his provision. If we want to defeat the enemy in our day, we also need to know what God is speaking into our times. This is going to be our rescue. We see the same thing again in Jesus' life after Herod's death. If we jump down to verse 19, it says, but when Herod died, so all this time they've been living in Egypt, and when Herod died, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared in a dream to Joseph in Egypt saying, rise, take the child and his mother and go to the land of Israel for those who sought the child's life are dead. It's time to return. And he rose and he took the child and his mother and went to the land of Israel. But when he heard that Archelaus was reigning over Judea in place of his father Herod, he was afraid to go there. And being warned in a dream, there's that divine intervention, he withdrew to the district of Galilee. And he went and lived in a city called Nazareth so that what was spoken by the prophets might be fulfilled, that he would be called a Nazarene. So why was the city of Nazareth spoken prophetically over Jesus' life? Because God foresaw another weapon, Herod's son, that would rise against his son, and he prophetically spoke the means of deliverance into his story. The strategy to defuse the enemy's weapons to take out Jesus was written into the prophetic plan spoken over Jesus' life by his father literally wove it into his story. And scripture tells us the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. What has been spoken in heaven being lived out on earth in perfect agreement. Well, God has also spoken a prophetic plan over your life, over mine. He tells us so in Jeremiah 29, 11, for I know the plans I have for you, plans for welfare and not for evil, to give you a future and a hope. His plans are to prosper us and not to harm us, to give us a future. He has spoken a plan over every single one of our lives. And it includes things that he designed for you to accomplish. Ephesians 2.10 tells us that we are his workmanship created in Christ for good works, which God prepared in advance that we should walk in them. Very clearly, he has written a prophetic plan over each one of our lives, and he is wanting to lead us into that plan. And that plan that he has spoken over your life also includes the strategy to defeat the enemy who is trying to take you out. So if we are wanting to live the life of victory on this earth, the means for that is coming into alignment with what God has spoken, discerning that plan and following Christ into that. I want you to notice that the enemy didn't wait until Jesus became a threat to take him out. He tried to take Jesus' life before the word made flesh could utter a word. He so feared who, would be, who he would become that he violently pursued a toddler. He is also terrified of who you'll become if you actually fulfill the plan that God has for your life. Because he knows that written into the plan that God has spoken over each one of our lives is the strategy to defeat him. And it terrifies him. It terrifies him. So he pursues us at every turn trying to take us out. And he does not wait until we become a threat either. He doesn't. The pain of your past was strategically formed by the enemy to keep you from living out God's plans, to prosper you and defeat him. He comes against us for that purpose, 
But the beauty of the cross is that anything the enemy took from you can be restored. Any wound can be healed, every single wound, and it is never too late to let Christ redeem your pain and stop those weapons from succeeding further. They may have come against, they may have been pressing you down, taking you out, but at every moment, Jesus says, today is the day of your salvation. Come to me, and I will lead you on your path to victory, but it's going to be found in discerning what God is speaking over your life and stepping into alignment with that word. And he is a good God. That plan is to prosper you. So we need to understand that intimacy with Jesus is our protection. It is our only safe place. If we want to keep the enemy's weapons from succeeding in our lives, we've got to get close. Jesus' invitation into every promise of God is literally, follow me. Follow me. Come close. He said, my sheep hear my voice. I know them and they follow me. That's intimacy. That's not distance. That's not sitting in church on a Sunday morning, hearing a message and being encouraged once a week. That's coming near and letting God speak to our hearts. Another beautiful promise is found in Psalm 91.1. That whole chapter is about victory over the enemy. But Psalm 91.1 says, He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High will abide in the shadow of the Almighty. This promise of protection includes a picture of intimacy, abiding near enough, dwelling near enough that the shadow of God is literally cast over us. We are walking with him in that shadow, not apart, not over here, not doing my own thing, but where God is, that's where I am, going right where he goes. And that's where we come under his shelter. That's where we are protected. That's when the enemy's weapons get diffused in our life, when we are close to him. That's where our safety is found. See, we tend to think that because we carry his presence, his promises will just automatically unfold. And often we'll make our plans. Well, this sounds good. I think I'd like to do this. And then we expect God to bless it over here. You know, like I'm gonna set the path and then expect God to shine his light on it. Let the favor come. That's not how it works. God says, my word, what I am declaring over your life, that's going to be the lamp to your feet and a light to your path. You allow me to speak and to lead you, and then you step into that light, and my favor will be upon you, and my presence will be with you. The power of that presence will get unlocked. Faith comes from hearing, and hearing through the word of Christ. What is Jesus, the word, speaking to you, to your heart? We activate the power of his presence when we come into agreement with his word. It's how it happens. We love to think about Peter, right? He was a man of bold faith. He was the only one of those disciples that jumped out of that boat and had that miracle of walking on water. And so we like to think, I want to live bold like Peter and come up with all these plans and expect God to guess it. But you know, to bless it. But you know what we often miss is that Peter, before he ever took one step out of that boat, he looked to Jesus and he said, Lord, if it is you, tell me and I will come and I will get out of the boat. He asks his permission. He says, God, is, is this your will for me to do this? And Jesus declares one word, come. And the power is released with the declaration of the word that carries Peter on top of the water. God's word carries his power. He says, let there be and there is. So it is when we come into alignment with the word of God 
He is the word and power flows through the word to us. But we've got to stop just living life without ever seeking what God is saying, without asking what he wants of us. Jesus came to the earth to connect us to the heart of the Father so that we could live out the plans that God has authored over our lives, plans that include diffusing the enemy's weapons. Now, that doesn't mean that being close to God lets nothing bad come near us. Intimacy will protect us through it and secures the, the mean, it, it makes sure that the enemy's intention through that weapon does not succeed in your life. Intimacy with God is the only way for that to happen. Um, I want to just share a little bit of my story with you. I first stepped into ministry about 10 years ago. I had been um, just falling in love with Jesus, probably got saved 20 years ago, had, God had just begun to open the word to me, show me who he was, teach me how to love him through the word. And it, it, the word just came alive to me. And I got so excited about it, I couldn't help but talk about the word everywhere I was. And um, out of that, I sort of discovered that God was calling me to teach as people got excited about the word when they were around me. And so I had been teaching in Sunday school and leading a Bible study in my home and just felt that, that God was calling me I want, you to, I want you to teach my word, and I want the love that you have for me to be in them. He literally spoke it over me um, through the word of God, and that's how God speaks to us. That's how we learn to know his voice, is we've got to know him through his word to be able to discern the now words that he is speaking to us. And so one day I had been reading... Um, in John 17, it is the prayer that Jesus prayed to his father right before he went to the cross. And he was praying for himself. He prayed for the disciples and he prayed for us. And at the one point when Jesus was praying to the father, there's a place where Jesus said, I have made you known, speaking to the father. But as I was reading it, all of a sudden I felt the spirit come over me like God was speaking it over me and over my life. And he says, I am going to make you known so that the love that you have for me might be in them and that I myself might be in them. Now, I remember just the spirit of God just coming so strong over that. And I wrote the date in, in the Bible. And so I didn't know what that means. That doesn't mean that I'm gonna be famous. It just means that God says in whatever arena that he has for me, he has prepared a path that will make me known to be able to ignite love in the hearts of people he brings to me. And so I just trusted, okay, God, you've got some kind of a plan. You've got some kind of a plan for me to teach. And I knew that he was calling me out of my comfort zone of just in the community of my church and beginning to open doors to go, to go out. And so I had an opportunity to attend a conference called She Speaks in North Carolina put on by Proverbs 31 Ministries. And it was a conference for um, women's ministry leaders, for speakers, and for authors. And at that time, God had just been birthing something in me through writing. I didn't even know that that was a desire of my heart, but as God started um, teaching me things and I began to write them out, I just felt this joy in my heart over writing. So I had started this manuscript um, about what it means to live the life of faith. It was called dying to live. Do you have a faith that saves? And he's bringing this together. And at that conference, um, there was in that author track, they were going to be setting up to 
be able to meet with publishers. So that it's just something if you're going to get published, um, it's very difficult to, to get in with the publisher. But at this particular conference, they were actually bringing them in and allowing those that were going through this track to get 15 minutes to pitch an idea felt as I was praying about it that God was calling me to go. I was scared to death. It was totally out of my comfort zone, totally not my realm of anything. I was a soccer mom who just taught the word of God on Sunday morning with this little, and with this little group of women in her home, but I felt that God was calling me to go, so I made the commitment to go. Now, almost immediately um, after I made that commitment, that voice of doubt started rising against me, the enemy's voice so loud. Who do you think you are? <laughs> Who do you think you are? And I began to doubt, is God really even sending me? Is this me making this up that, that I'm sub supposed to be there? Um, who are you to do this? And it was effective because I believed him. <laughs> I believed those voices. Who am I? Completely robbed my peace. And I was in the middle of putting this um, book proposal together that I had to prepare. I remember one day I was sitting on my couch and just terror falling on me. Felt nauseous, sick to my stomach, the enemy's voice in my head. You're not supposed to go to this thing. And I did what I, the, the one thing that I know to do, I, I went to the Lord. <laughs> and I remember just slipping off the couch and onto my knees, opening the scriptures. And the thought had come to me to go to Hebrews 11. It is the passage of scripture that just talks about this hall of faith and, and all these people who followed the Lord and did these exploits. And that's what I was just feeling God was calling me to do, to live this life of faith. And so I went to open my Bible to Hebrews 11. As it fell open in front of me, Hebrews 12 was on the other page, and my eyes were drawn to something that I had underlined. And so I went to it, and it was Hebrews 12, 25, which said, see to it that you do not refuse him who speaks felt the presence of God come over me. God confirming, I did send you here. Don't listen to the voice of the enemy. You, you are going. And so I just resolved in my heart. God had led me. He was confirming and I was to go. So I went and God's favor was all over that visit. Um, I got appointments with the two publishers that I had asked for. Now, they tell you, I had, to, I had to prepare, it was like 40 some pages long, this um, thing to, to give to them. And they had said, they prop, now you're never going to get a book deal sitting there. Your only goal of this 15 minute meeting is just for them to even be interested. And bring the copy of the proposal, but don't expect that they're going to take it with them because no publisher wants to go home on the airplane with stacks this high. So have it with you. But if they take it, they'll, you know, just want to email. So, okay. So I'm scared to death. I'm nauseous the whole weekend. I go to my two appointments. And the first one says, was very excited about it. Once they started asking me about my platform and realized I didn't even have a website, I was just getting ready to launch it, I could see the light go out of the publisher's eyes. But she was interested in the material. And she asked me, would you email this to me? I would like to send it to you, and we're going to follow this to see, to see what happens with it. I thought, this is crazy that they even wanted it. It was a victory. The next one I go to, she actually says, can I take this, the hard copy? <laughs> it's like, you're kidding me. So anyway, it was just this moment. I felt the favor of God. He had sent me there. 
He moved the whole time. And before I went, the, I had received an email from the conference. There were 600 women attending this conference. And they had said, our team is praying over each one of you by name. And I want you to visit our prayer room during the time that you're there at some point. And we have posted names of God all around the room. And we have prayed over your name and placed your name over where we felt God leading us where he wanted to reveal himself to you by that name. So I hadn't had a chance yet to go to the prayer room after my second appointment where I was just astounded that they, that they took the book proposal. I go into the room and I see these names of God and the first one I see over here on the left was I am. And I remember knowing that's where I'm going to find my name because that's what I was experiencing of God. That my, God's plan for my life had nothing to do with me or my lack of education in this area or lack of experience, but it had everything to do with who he is and this is what he was showing me. And I walk up there and I find my name there at I am and I just fell to my knees. It just happened to be a time everyone else was in a session and I had the room to myself and I just wept with God and worshiped him. So I come home from that conference and I knew, you know, this was a long shot by every stretch of the imagination. It was not an expectation, but also there's in the back of your mind this hope. This is the kind of thing God does, right? He takes someone that's obscure and he does something. And so a couple of months go by, which takes a long time for these things to, to process. And I remember very specifically, it was the night of my uh, older son's birthday. He was about 12 at the time, and he had a group of friends over, um, and they were all outside and wanted to play flashlight tag. I remember it specifically because Austin had come in and said, hey, can you guys turn out all the lights in the house? It's making too much light outside coming through the windows. <laughs> it, was, it was at night, and so we had turned off the lights so the guys could successfully play flashlight tag. So we're sitting there in the living room with no light on, just the light of the TV, and I had my computer on my lap and I see this email come in from one of the publishers. And of course it said, we regret to inform you that we will not be publishing this at this time. Thank you so much for submitting it to us. And it was one of those moments like, you know, I knew that that was quite probable that that was what it was gonna be, but there was this something in my heart that was that hope you know, I'm, I'm talking about, let's do great exploits for God. Let's live this life of faith and see God show up. And I knew that all the ladies in my Sunday school class had been waiting and wondering, you know, have you heard back? Have you heard back? And so it was just sort of like this moment of a kick in my gut. So the next morning I wake up and you know, that's nighttime is the enemy's playground. <laughs> and so I was waking up in the morning, just feeling shaken. Again, the doubt is coming. God doesn't really have any plan for you. Look, rejected again. And rejection is a part of my past and history that God has had to um, heal me from. And so I just, I got up early. I took my Bible. I went outside to my favorite place to meet with the Lord on my covered porch. And it happened to be a morning where it was storming. Sitting out there, I could literally feel the thunder like cracking through my chest. It was just a severe storm. I remember thinking that the earth was reflecting what I was feeling inside, just shaken, that rattling. 
And so I'm sitting there with the Lord, just feeling that confusion coming. And I had been reading um, recently at that time about Elijah when he was in that place wanting to hear from the Lord and there was an earthquake, but he was not in the earthquake and there was a fire, but there was not in the fire. There was a wind, he was not in the wind, but there was a still small voice. And I remember just closing my eyes, holding my Bible and just crying out to Jesus, I need to hear your whisper. And almost immediately, three words, just invaded my thoughts and my heart. And I heard, I love you. And I was so surprised because God had not really ever spoken to me that way before. He led me through his word, but I had just not really heard him speaking to me in that way. And I remember questioning, God, is that you? And he repeated it. I love you, just invading everything. And I just began to weep because there I was, this nobody from Hanover, Pennsylvania, and God was speaking his love into my heart and into my brokenness and refuting the judgments of the enemy. Taking that moment, just three words. And as he spoke that word into my heart, peace just settled on me, manifesting his presence. I knew he was there. I knew that I was his. Now, the enemy had been using weapons against me, discouragement, insufficiency, trying to take me out, making me question God. Now, he can do that when we make assumptions about what God is doing, and I think this can be dangerous ground for all of us. One of our enemy's greatest weapons is getting us to assume things of God that he never said. God had told me to go to the conference. He never told me what the outcome would be. He never told me. We can assume. Sometimes we take hold of a promise in God's word and assume that God intends to apply that promise right now in this moment. But it's not the time. We'll assume outcomes and we'll get discouraged when they don't come through. Or sometimes he'll reveal the outcome and we'll assume the means to get there. And that's where we get into trouble because we're listening to voices that are not God's and making assumptions about things that he didn't say. And so that morning when the enemy was bringing doubt and discouragement, trying to convince me I was crazy, that God couldn't possibly have a plan for my life, one word from Jesus diffuse that weapon. One word, ushering me into the shelter of the Most High. And immediately I knew God was saying, I am here and I am holding you and my plans for you have not changed. Your view of them has. It was not that he had intended something and didn't come through. He had never intended it. He had another reason for me going there. The favor that carried me through that conference was still on me. But that wasn't God's plan for that time. And the truth is, I couldn't have endured being thrust into any kind of spotlight then. I may not now. And God knew that. He knew that. But he was showing me the word that I'm putting in your heart, the message that I'm putting in your heart is a message that's going to resonate. Look at how these publishers are responding to it. It is needed in this day. And he was using that to show me that and lead me into that time. 
And I could have wavered if I had let the voice of the enemy drown out the still small voice. Just, I love you. I love you, that's our God. It's what he wants to speak to us. He gave no explanation of why, no outline of what the plan actually was, just an invitation to trust his heart for me. And that is where the enemy gets us every time, mistrusting God's heart. We do it over and over. It's what made those Israelites die in the desert instead of entering the promises that God had for them because they kept mistrusting God's heart. He is for us and his plans for us are good. And even when they don't look like we might have hoped or written for ourselves, it is still good and he intends to prosper us through it. So many people struggle to believe God's love for them. I've heard it over and over again. People say, oh, God is love, and they can say God loves you, but they cannot receive the truth, God loves me. God loves me. How many of you struggle with that truth, to really believe in your heart that God loves you? I had a choice that morning to either receive that truth or reject it. So often we choose poorly. We choose to believe the lie of the enemy over God's love. And then we wonder why we can't seem to access peace, why the power of his presence isn't manifesting around us, and it's all because we keep trusting the wrong voice. Not the one that God is speaking, but the one the enemy is speaking. We need to know what God is speaking into our circumstances. And that day, what I needed to know was that I was loved. And God had not abandoned me. And he is willing and longing to speak it into our hearts if we will open our ears to hear. He is speaking all the time, looking. It says his eyes are ranging to and fro throughout the earth to find those whose heart is longing for him and is perfect toward him. He is wanting to impart strength, he says. He's just looking for someone that is willing to receive it from him. If we reject the truth that God loves us, we also reject the power of every promise that flows through that love. We reject it. We unlock the power of his presence when we align with his word. We keep thinking it's all about carrying the power of his presence. And that's a part of it. That's the Holy Spirit. But Jesus is the word. And it is the alignment of the word and the spirit that manifests the fullness of God. It is what we need. We need both. We unlock the power of his presence aligning with the word. Samuel's life illustrates this so clearly. As a young boy, he literally lived in the presence of God, sleeping by the ark and serving in the temple, dwelling there in the presence, but not experiencing the power. And 1 Samuel 3, 7 tells us why. Samuel did not yet know the Lord. The word of the Lord had not yet been revealed to him. He hadn't yet had a personal revelation. And then God spoke. God spoke to him and he heard it and he responded. And when the word and the presence came into agreement in Samuel's life, he walked in anointing. That's what we need. The word and the presence uniting in us. And then God perpetually began to reveal himself through Samuel. 1 Samuel 3.19 says, Samuel grew and the Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. And all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel was established as a prophet of the Lord. And the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. For the Lord revealed himself to Samuel at Shiloh by the word of the Lord. God's presence had been there all along. 
The ark was there. He dwelt there. But the people were not experiencing the power of God because there was no one seeking revelation from God. No one hearing and responding to the word. In fact, they had been ignoring what God spoke. And so God stopped speaking. The beginning of Samuel's story, it says in verse one that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. People were not seeking him. They were not trying to hear what it is that he was saying. And so the power had departed from that place until the heart of a child dedicated to serving God opened himself to receive what God was speaking in that day. And now the living word is coming forth through Samuel and the presence of God begins to manifest in that place. Heaven's voice reaching into earth, engaging with Samuel's heart. And God begins to reveal himself in their midst through just one, through just one. What if every child of God would learn to unite with him in that intimacy and open their heart to become a vessel that heaven is reaching through to manifest divine power on this broken earth in these dark days. It says there then in verse 21, the Lord appeared again at Shiloh. His presence was there all along, but he began to manifest and make himself known because one willing vessel heard and responded to the word of the Lord again what God is looking for in our days. If you and I want to defuse the enemy's weapons, we need to engage with God. Intimacy is our protection. He wants to lead us on that path to prosper us. So the enemy cannot harm us and God will provide for us a hope and a future that is beyond anything that we could ask or think of him. Hebrews 11:6 6 says, without faith, it is impossible to please God. And it helps to define what faith is in the rest of that verse. It says, whoever would draw near to God. We can see just from that verse that faith includes drawing near. It's a part of the biblical definition of faith. And God says, it's impossible to please me without this. Come near, come near to me. James 4, 8 says, come near to God and he will come near to you. That's the promise. He's always with us, but he will make himself known when our hearts draw near to him. He wants to communicate his heart to us and lead us on that path that will prosper us. And then the rest of that verse says, whoever would draw near to God must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who seek him. Reward comes through seeking him, not serving him. (laughs) Seeking him, it's what he's looking for. Many translations use the word diligently seeking, earnestly. We're not just gonna stumble by accident into the plan that God wrote in heaven over our lives. He says, seek me, I will make myself found, I will show it to you, but you must come and then I will draw near to you. That morning on my porch, I carried God's presence within me the whole time, but I wasn't experiencing the power of his presence. I was crushed under fear, anxiety. God's presence manifested to me as I sought his word not just the words of a text or law to follow, but the rhema word, the utterance from heaven that would take what I knew of the scriptures and make it alive and what I needed to receive right then in that moment. And as I received it, that word spoke right into the root of what had left me shaken. And I experienced the power of his presence. Peace fell on me, clarity, joy, joy. 
even in the midst of disappointment and rejection, joy, because God was there with me and the enemy fled his presence. The enemy has been forging weapons against me my whole life. Insecurity, rejection, isolation, fear and doubt, betrayal, loss, discouragement, all with the goal of shutting down my heart to love. That's what the enemy's goal is. With all our woundings, all our pain, everything that he's coming after, he is trying to shut down love because love is who God is and it is love that establishes victory. So he has done all of this repeatedly over and over in my life, trying to shut that down. He has not succeeded. Miraculously, God continues to increase that capacity in me to love. It's who God is. How? Why hasn't the enemy prospered against me? How am I still here? Because just as Paul wrote in 2 Timothy 1.12, I know whom I have believed. I know whom I have believed and I am convinced that he is able to guard what I have entrusted to him until that day. Do you know who you claim to believe? Is he leading you? Is your life a reflection of God highlighting this word and leading us on the path, leading you on the path to prosper you? It is never too late to redeem what the enemy has taken from you. He has a plan for you written over your life and woven into that plan is the means to defeat your enemy. The means to defuse every single weapon that the enemy will rise against you. And you will only find it as you seek the heart of God and allow the word of the Lord to be the lamp to your feet, a light to your path, and the power of the Spirit manifesting in your life. You know, the word of God is the sword of the Spirit. When we align with the word of God, we put that sword in the spirit's hand and the power gets released against that enemy. He's waiting for us to do it. Will you let him do it for you? Would you pray with me? Father God, Lord, I thank you. First and foremost for your love. I thank you that you are a God of such kindness and sweetness and gentleness and tenderness. And there are so many people that don't know you that way. I'm so thankful that I do, God. I'm so thankful for you pursuing me through my distance and inviting me to come close and even the work of your spirit to equip me to respond. And God, I just pray now over every person in this place. I pray over every person that might be hearing the sound of my voice online. God, I just, I pray for an awakening. God, whatever lie might be keeping hearts from receiving the truth that you love them dearly and desperately. Would you just slice through it right now, Father, in the name of Jesus. I thank you that Jesus allowed us to enter into your love and come close to you. And in that love, we become something we could never be without you. God, we're just tired, tired of allowing the enemy's weapons to succeed, our woundedness to keep us pressed down and to cause us to operate in fear. Lord, we choose today to receive from you what you have for us, God. 
Would you usher us into the power of your love? Awaken us to the truth of it. God, I just pray for an outpouring of faith over every person here, Father, that you would give them by your spirit a gift of faith to believe you for more today, to take a step forward and advance into what it is that you have. God, I thank you that I can stand here boldly and declare that your plans for me are far better than anything I could have asked or imagined for myself, God. And we've only just begun, haven't we? Thank you, Father. Thank you for your love, your kindness, for your word that you have not left us alone. You have given us everything we need for life and for godliness through our knowledge of you. Increase that knowledge, Lord. We ask. Thank you, Father. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Sermon of the Week. We hope you've been blessed by this message. If you'd like to partner with us, you have the opportunity to give online at providencecommunity.org.